Welcome to Center Ice. It is December 14th, only 11 days until Christmas if you are celebrating Christmas, which both Mac and I are, and we're counting down the days until the big day. The holiday spirit is in the air, and we got lots and lots to talk about today. And let's jump right into it, Mac. First things first, you and I have been big fans of Ben Bishop for quite a while. We've watched him through his career, and he decided to hang up the pads the other day. And let's just reflect a little bit on the career that Ben Bishop had, Mac. Yeah, no, it was actually a very sort of underrated, understated, great career. Because if you look at his statistics, you know, he only played 413 games. But in terms of all-time save percentage, he's tied for number two. There's a three-way tie for first, Dominic Hasek, Tuka Rask, and Ken Dryden. Right there at number two. You've got Ben Bishop with a 921 save percentage, 232 goals against average. Again, just really unfortunate to see that kind of thing happen. But, you know, with goalies, especially anytime you have any sort of lower body injury that lingers, it's really tough to get back to where you once were. But I think, you know, Ben Bishop is a guy a lot of people will have positive memories about, not only because he was a great goaltender, seemed like a great guy around the locker room from everything I heard. The one memory that I'll always think of is, remember when he was with Tampa Bay and he lost those teeth, he picked them up and he kept playing. That was that was something, and he didn't have to do that. The training staff would have totally let, them, let him leave the ice, but he was like, nope, I'm good. I got a few less teeth. I'm still good to play. And he played and finished the game. <laughs> well, I remember Ben Bishop quite well. Cause remember he did play for Ottawa for a short while. And I remember for uh, quite a while, there were uh, uh, two months or so during the 2013 lockout shortened season, Mac, where Craig Anderson and Ben Bishop were fighting for the number one spot. There was a real goalie duel between the two at the time. And remember in 2013, Mac, there, it was basically you roll with your starter. That was still the philosophy at the time. No one wanted to go with tandem. And Ben Bishop, when he played, he was such a stud in net. He, he was never super flashy when he was in Ottawa, Mac, but he was consistent. And, and that was great because you knew when he was in net, he would give you, you know, 25, 30 solid saves a game. And he, he gave you a chance to win. And I know... Ottawa isn't the only team that saw that in Ben Bishop. A lot of teams did, especially Tampa and Dallas. You look at his time in Tampa, you mentioned how tough of a player he was with the Lightning. Remember, he got them very, very close to the Stanley Cup. Unfortunately, he fell just short. He ran into a really good Hawks team. But we shouldn't forget how good he was in that 2015 Cup final run, nor should we forget how good he was when he was healthy with the Dallas Stars. And as you mentioned, Mac, those Lower body injuries with goalies can just be brutal. If you tweak your groin or just a, any sort of muscle or ankle the wrong way, like Ben Bishop did, and you have surgery, and you can just never fully recover from it because being a goalie is really, really tough on the lower body. And he gave it as long as he could to keep going in the league. You could tell from uh, the retirement press release he really wanted to keep going, but unfortunately, he... His body was telling him it was time to hang up the pads. And I think Ben Bishop, when people look back on his career, I don't, he won't be a hall of famer, unfortunately, but people will look back on him and say, this was a really good goalie. One of the top tier goalies in the 2010s, in my opinion, Mac. 
Yeah, and I mean, if you if you just put this in perspective, Roberto Luongo played over a thousand games, and he had a two point five two goals against average and nine nineteen save percentage. Ben Bishop played just over four hundred games and was spectacular for most of them. But I think one other interesting point here that we didn't mention is that. Not only did Bishop retire due to injury in Dallas, but also Anton Hudobin placed on waivers, clearing the way for Jake Ottinger to take over in net for Dallas. So clearly Jim Nill realizes that there is a need for more youth on this team. And I think it'll be interesting to see his approach at the trade deadline as we uh, get toward that point. Absolutely. Uh, You and I have talked about Dallas before on this show extensively. And Dallas is a team in flux, and they still are a team in flux. It'll be interesting to see what Jim Neal does, because he does need some more youth in that lineup, and he certainly needs a goaltender, and ideally a goaltender that can give him give him a few years of solid service. And those aren't easy to find, but Jim Neal's a smart guy, Mac, and I'm sure he's going to be working the phones between now and the trade deadline and even on the draft floor, I imagine, to get a consistent younger goalie who can give the Dallas Stars a lot of games and a lot of minutes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what's next on the list here? Well, I think we have to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets, Mac. We wanted to talk about them during our last show. Unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of time. Now, Columbus has cooled off a little bit between our last show and this show, but I think we still need to talk about the job that the Columbus Blue Jackets head coach and Brad Larson has been doing with the Columbus Blue Jackets because you look at their record of 14-11-1, it may not be the most impressive record. But remember, Matt, going into the season this year, a lot of people pegged Columbus to be dead last in the Metropolitan Division. And right now they're fifth in the division. And they're only a few points back of a wild card spot. And if they can get on a good run here, they could very well sneak into a playoff spot. Yeah, I've been impressed with what I've seen from them. We'll get into Mr. John Tortorella in a little bit here because (laughs) it's it's inevitable. But I think, you know, the team and the players and the new coach, Brad Larson, they've just done a really good job of sort of meshing together and buying into his system. And much like other coaches that have changed their strategies or, you know, coaches that have been around a long time who have adjusted their game plan, you know, it's sort of the same thing. Again, you need good goaltending. You need to control the transition game in terms of teams trying to use that transition game on you. And you also need to have a good transition game yourself. Those are huge keys in today's NHL. And obviously, you know, most of these Blue Jackets players, they played under guys like Tortorella and whatnot. They understand defense is important, but also recognizing that it doesn't have to be kind of a one trick pony, if you will. And I would say for a long time, you know, if you discount sort of at Artemi Panarin and some occasional superstars that they've had over the years, this has largely been a team that has built on defense first, defense first. We like to win games two to one, three to two. That's not the case anymore. You've got Cole Sillinger, Obviously, Patrick Laine, who's just returning after his father's death, our condolence to him. You've got a lot of offensive players, and you also have those players buying into that team game. They're not a great defensive team, but they put in the work. 
and they try and kind of outmuscle you with their work ethic. So yeah, I think he's done a really good job considering you and I did not know a lot about this guy when he took over. No, we didn't. And he, he certainly wasn't put in the easiest situation. Remember how much Columbus sold off at the deadline last season, Matt. And a lot of people look at what the Blue Jackets have as pretty bare bones, but coaches that can do a lot with not a lot, those are very valuable coaches. And yeah, we have a small sample size at the moment, Mac. But if he can keep this going, uh, the Blue Jackets may have found a winner here and a pretty good replacement to the uh, other guys. And speak, speaking of the other guy, let's talk about John Tortorella's comments here, Mac, because I know you're pretty opinionated on what John Tortorella said the other night about Trevor Zegras and his amazing jaw-dropping assist. Take it away on this one, Mac. Yeah, I mean, you just, I think... 99% of the hockey world or or a lot of at least 90% was like did he just do that did that just happen and i think the first thing that crosses your mind is was he trying to do the michigan or did he sort of fake the michigan and do do the pass nobody really knows but it, it seemed like it worked pretty well i was like did that just happen in a game in the nhl because that's awesome and most people were celebrating it from what i saw and then guess who? Good old Torts with his old school mentalities. Ah, this isn't good for the game. This is a joke, whatever. And, you know, what I thought in that moment was, I think there was a huge sense of relief when Columbus moved on from him as a coach for the players because they knew that that transition wasn't going to be easy, but that they didn't have to deal with that sort of mentality anymore. To me, it was an unbelievable play, and I love seeing stuff like that. We're used to those sort of things being done in practice and trying it in a game. You know, Svechnikov's done it, of course. The Michigan is is something that takes a lot of guts. And what I really like about Zegris specifically is that he's got personality and he loves to try stuff like that. And he's very high skilled. So I don't know about you, but I absolutely loved what I saw. I absolutely loved it too, Mac. I was at work that night and we, we were on a break and one of my coworkers that comes over to me and says, Matt, you got to check out what Trevor Zegers just did because this is unbelievable. Like I've never seen anything like this before. And I watched it and my, my jaw just dropped. And as you mentioned, Mac, creativity like this can only be good for the game, really. Yeah, you'll have the old farts like Sean Tortorella saying, oh no, this is impure hockey. But if we were trying to go back, if we wanted to be pure hockey here, Matt, we would still be having goldies with no masks. We would still be playing with wooden sticks and we would still be playing outdoors, chasing frozen cow patties around. So the game does evolve over time. And I like seeing the creativity. It, it's nice to see that players can mix things up. And it also puts goalies on their toes too. Because now if you're a goalie or a defender, You'll need to prepare for a possibility like that. You can't just stand around anymore and, sh and block shots. You'll need to be a little more creative. And I, I hope that what Trevor Zegers did the other night, Mac, opens the floodgates for more creativity because hockey could certainly use it. Look at the NFL, for example, Mac, and how creative some of the wide receivers, running backs, defensive linebacks, et cetera, et cetera. They're really, really creative. They make all sorts of crazy plays to score touchdowns, to get interceptions. 
And it's really, really entertaining to watch that the big reason why people tune into the NFL because the creativity is there and it's exciting because you can tune into a game, any game really, and say, you know, what's going to happen tonight? Who's going to pull off something incredible? And if the NHL can do more of that, it can only be good for the game and it can only draw in more fans. So I'm all for it. I think it's great. And speaking of things that are good for the game, this is just a report here at the moment, but I I imagine you have similar thoughts that I do on this one, Mac. At least three women are reportedly being considered for the Canadians GM vacancy. And I like this, Mac. I like this an awful lot. I know you and I, we dug into Montreal during our last show saying that, oh, only getting a French GM. (laughs) There's my cat in the background. But anyways, only getting a a French-speaking GM will limit their options. But I like that the Canadians are willing to look at general managers beyond just men and beyond the old boys club because getting a new way of thinking can only be good. And I think that if the Canadians find a woman who knows exactly what she's talking about, she's got a good plan for this Canadians team to get some more depth, get some more skill, it'll only be good. And it'll be great to see see it. I really do hope the uh, Montreal Canadiens are seriously considering this because it would be really cool to see. Oh, for sure. And bottom line is, again, they're, they deserve these kind of opportunities, no question. And they've had to wait far too long for them. And they're, they're starting to make a big impact just in the hockey world in general. And I love that. And you and I love that. So that is definitely great news to hear. Okay, let's uh, move on to the next one, shall we? Absolutely. Now, of course, the Olympics are coming up. And that is exciting. Of course, we aren't quite sure if the NHL is going to be going there with all the COVID concerns and stuff. We aren't going to get into all the COVID issues and stuff because we've talked about that extensively. Our views are well known on that, Mac. But on another note here, Mac, the World Juniors are right around the corner, Mac. And you and I are big fans of the World Juniors. It's always really exciting, especially now that hockey, the uh, it's a lot more even talent is a lot more widespread than it used to be the parody is great to see and i love the world juniors and so do you for a lot of reasons canada and the united states both released their rosters today and yesterday respectively and the big news is that Connor bedard is on the canadian roster you and i have talked about him a little bit in the past but this kid could be the real deal only a select few players have ever made it onto the world junior roster just the age of 16 max so this is exciting to see i'm really looking forward to the world juniors this year especially since canada and other european countries remember they weren't allowed to play a lot of hockey due to covid restrictions last year but a lot of these players have been playing they're raring to go it's going to be exciting and i am really really looking forward to the world juniors this year arguably even more than the olympics mac Oh, for sure. And the world juniors is one of our, and, and I think hockey fans in general favorite events of the year, because it's, it's kind of nonstop end to end type hockey, which just generally don't see in the NHL because teams are so good defensively and coaches have game plans. You know, this is just a bunch of highly skilled, talented players trying to make their mark, trying to make an impression, improve their draft stock, etc. get their name out there. And they have fun. They play with skill. And it's just really entertaining. 
Absolutely. Well, you and I will certainly be trying to find some time over the holidays to watch some World Juniors together, even though it'll only be over Zoom because of a whole continent pretty much between you and I now. But World Juniors are always something that'll bring us together, whether it's in person or over Zoom. I, I got to well, I've got to give my thought, quick thoughts on NHL 22, Matt, because I messaged you the other night and you and I have been pretty hard on EA on this show. The odd time we talk about the NHL series, and I, I think rightly so. You and, you and I, we've been critical of what they're doing in terms of online modes, in terms of gameplay, but it's been a few years since I bought NHL Mac. I think the most recent game I bought previous to nhl 22 would have been nhl 19 so that was released in 2018 that was four years ago now so i was browsing on the xbox store over the weekend and i saw nhl for 30 dollars, and i thought why not i might as well give it a try it's something to do it's something to play when i'm not putting my head into my books and studying for my final exams and i haven't gotten too much into it because i've been studying a lot, but here are my quick thoughts here, Mac. The gameplay is pretty much the same. That's my biggest complaint, Mac. I I know people complain about hot and online modes, and I think that's completely fair. But the biggest thing I find with NHL, and it's been a problem for a few years now, is the gameplay just isn't there. The game looks pretty good, and it sounds pretty good, but if the gameplay isn't fun, then what else does it matter? And if you're EA, I think that's the big thing you need to focus on because until the gameplay is fixed, the online modes don't matter. The offline modes don't matter. Everything comes back to gameplay. It just doesn't feel quite like hockey. And that's the other complaint I have with EA. I can go into all the hut and multi and the, uh, the microtransactions and all that, but that's to me, that's just the reality of modern gaming, unfortunately, Mac. But when I compare the two side, NBA to NHL, for example, the two side by side, the big difference I find with NBA that makes it so much better is the gameplay feels like a real basketball game and the atmosphere. That's a big thing I find with hockey. Now, to be fair, I think the Frostbite engine that they've implemented this year has made the game feel a bit more like a hockey game look a bit more like a hockey game, but the atmosphere just isn't there. Like when you watch an NHL playoff game, Mac, and Mm -hmm. someone scores a big goal or someone lays a big hit or the game is on the line with a minute to go and the home team needs a goal, the crowd is there, the atmosphere, the building is buzzing. And when I played a quick playoff game with my brother Andrew the other day, the atmosphere just didn't feel like it was there. And I feel like if NHL... If EA can add a little more atmosphere, make it feel more like a hockey game, make some minor tweaks to the online, sorry, the gameplay, everything else will fall into place in time. I do think it is an improvement over the last few NHLs, but only marginally so. So if I had to give it a rating out of 10, it'd probably be a five. You know, it's a pass. But if you've bought NHL in the last couple of years, you know, 20 or 21, I wouldn't buy NHL 22 unless you got it on a really good deal. Well, I think those are interesting points you made and I have not played it yet. I don't plan on playing it anytime soon. It's just, you know, I'm sort of somebody who has transitioned from basically only playing sports games to playing all kinds of other stuff. 
um, mostly story driven games. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I think the biggest thing for me with NHL these days is I think they would have more success if they sort of catered it for different needs. So if you could buy a version that was online only, for example, if you're the type of person that likes to play online, you like to play World of Chell, you like to play Hut, you buy the online version of the game. But if you're somebody who just plays offline, they like to play be a GM, they like to sort of mess around with the game, shootouts, all those kind of things, there should be another option there for you. And I just feel like, like any other sports game, there's just not enough change year to year. And it's hard to make a good sports game, I'm sure. But I'm sure they can do better than that. Oh, I agree. I I absolutely think that what EA has shown us is only a fraction of what they could do if they really put their minds and money to it. Because you you look at NBA Mac, and I, I don't want to get too much into a video game rant here, but... NBA, I know you and I have our fair, our fair critiques of NBA in terms of their online microtransactions and, and things like that. But just in terms of a pure offline basketball experience or a sports experience, to me, the top two are NBA followed by MLB The Show. Those two are, are just far and away the best sporting experiences you can get right now. And I think that if... E- EA, it frustrates me, Matt, because if they just put a little more effort in, I think it would make all the difference. And at the end of the day, Mac, if they if they were charging just $30 as a base price for every year with NHL, for example, I wouldn't be nearly as upset. But the fact that EA is trying to charge, you know, the price of a game like The Last of Us or the new Spider-Man game for PS5 is ridiculous. Yeah, you and I are in full agreement on that. And we are pessimistic because it has made us that way. There's not much reason for us to be optimistic. We've been through that. We've been through the years of saying, oh, I can't wait for this game. I can't wait to see what it's going to be different. And as you get older and as you realize that really not much changes, you just kind of lose hope and you say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And that's kind of where we're at right now (laughs) yeah absolutely if ea hadn't put nhl 22 for 30 bucks this weekend there's no way i would have bought it and even if i had bought nhl in the nhl in 2020 or 2019 for example i wouldn't have bought the game but it just so happened that it had been five years since i bought nhl and i think that's a good way to do it i'm not saying you shouldn't buy nhl but you shouldn't buy it every year if you wait every two to three years i find there finally is enough to justify getting it on sale. The new game that is, that's at least how I see it. And I do hope that EA, they listen to the fans. They take the feedback. They improve the gameplay. They make an online option and an offline option. I think that's a great idea, Mac. And they just make some much needed improvements that I don't think would take a lot of work to do what would make the game a whole lot better. There is one thing I will give EA credit for. It's been something we've been asking for for a year. The IIHF international teams, they finally got the licensing for it. They're finally in the game. And I got to say that was a really good addition. I think that's the best addition of the year. And I know they added X factor and new lighting and things like that, but that's, but adding the IIHF licensing is something that's kind of fun. It adds, a little more gameplay variety to it. You're no longer playing as generic team Canada, generic team USA, et cetera, et cetera. 
you now have the real jerseys, the real rosters. They say they're going to update the uh, IHF rosters now that the World Junior rosters are out. So I think things like that are things that EA should also be focusing on, adding things that are genuinely fun and will add to the experience. But I'm like you. I, th- I think we're right to be pessimistic, but I hope you and I are wrong. Awesome. Well, I really did enjoy that discussion. So I, I think that just about does it, doesn't it, Matt? Yes, it does. We do have one more episode scheduled for this month. We'll probably get it to you around the holidays, a little later, sometime around then. And hopefully we'll have some more exciting news to share from the world of hockey. Until then, enjoy the game, guys. Have a happy holidays. And we will see you later this month.